0: Recognized by the U.S. Supreme Court as a scholarly authority on game fixing in sports, Brian Tui is the author of highly controversial sports books, The Fix is In, The Showbiz Manipulations of the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and NASCAR, Larceny Games, Sports Gambling, Game Fixing, and the FBI, a Season in the Abyss, Sports Gambling versus the NFL's Integrity, and his most recent The Fix is Still In, More Corruption and Conspiracies the Pro Sports Leagues Don't Want You to Know About. TUI has appeared on over 200 radio programs and podcasts across the U.S. and Canada, including the nationally syndicated programs The Dan Patrick Show, Coast to Coast AM, Fox Sports Chris Myers interviews, JT The Brick, The Brian Kenny Show on NBC Sports Radio, the, and The Alex Jones Show. Some of Tui's other sports-related writing can be found in Sports Illustrated, Vice Sports, and Sports on Earth, as well as his popular website, net, which I'll share with you guys later in this episode. Thanks again, Brian, for coming on. No
1: problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man. Um, I guess the, the most obvious start, considering we're a week away from Super Bowl 56, is Super Bowl 56. Um, as I was telling you right before we started recording, I listened to your most, previous, uh, most recent podcast and you nailed it you said you wouldn't be surprised if burrow beat um the chiefs because the nfl is looking to um basically groom or or bring in a new crop of quarterbacks now that roethlisberger rivers um rogers is about to be gone brady's retiring Um, basically that entire class both of the mannings have are gone now so they need more than just Mahomes, you know. So exactly. that was a win-win for the league. Whereas the Rams versus the Niners, you were like, I'm pretty sure the Rams are going to take that. The Niners don't have enough star power. Um, and and something that I picked up on, um, you know, 54 years the NFL never had a team make the Super Bowl um, that was the host of the Super Bowl. And COVID hit, and all of a sudden, two for two: Tampa Bay is in the Super Bowl, and Los Angeles is in the Super Bowl um what a coincidence <laughs> i know james is a
1: fan of coincidences aren't we oh all... um, my favorite saying <laughs> what a coinky yeah well i mean it's amazing because again you know i one of the things i write about in my books and on my website is i don't believe in coincidences not when you have billions of dollars attached to them and i mean that's what a lot of sports fans regardless if it's the nfl nba nhl whatever i think they seem to fail to recognize the fact that these are multi-billion-dollar businesses, and not only that, but their business is not sports. Their business is really entertainment. Their business is show business, and that opens it up to a lot of other things that you don't think of in sports. Because I think as sports fans, a lot of people kind of project themselves into those roles, either as the coach or in the players, and they think, well, if I manage to live that dream, and here I am playing for the NFL, and here I am playing the Super Bowl. You know, I would live up to all the cliches and, you know, take it to the next level and give 110% and blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, for a lot of these guys, this is just a job. And because it's just a job, you know, some days you don't care about your job. You know, some days you don't try very hard at your job. You just want to get through your job to get onto things you have going on at home. And that's the same thing with sports athletes. I mean, they sometimes don't care. And sometimes they're motivated to do things that may be not in the best interest of the team. And in their own best interest, or, you know, again, they just, you know, just want to get out of there. They want to be done with it. They don't want to be in the playoffs because they want to get home to their kids and their wife or whatever. And that's something a lot of sports fans don't consider.
0: So I, I feel like I'm a little overqualified because uh, I've read all of your stuff. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. So
1: <laughs> I feel bad for you, man. That's I, a lot, I, 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 it, not, not a lot, not
0: a lot, of, not all of your podcasts. Don't get me wrong. Um, a lot of your podcasts. And I have read two of your books. I'm into this stuff because I was a sports nerd growing up and, and Same here. Just a numbers guy in general. So mon- when you bring the money factor into it, um, this is, this topic is, is, uh, something that I'm really fascinated by. So I, I you know, if, if people want to hear about your books and and more of the other stuff that, that you talk about on the regular, they can go listen to other podcasts. I kind of want to push it to the next level and ask some questions that, you know, even people that have read your books and people who know your stuff. Um, might be interested in hearing one is that you know you talk about how these leagues are collectives basically and you know they operate you you know each owner is is basically um, it's a collective I can't I can't think of maybe the proper way to articulate that at this time but my question was since 80 percent of the profit is shared in the NFL what is it that makes certain organizations more valuable than others given that the league is operating as a whole
1: Like you said, the NFL revenue, nobody really seems to know exactly how much revenue is shared in the NFL. 80% is kind of an approximation that everybody makes. And um, the vast majority of that is the television money because you got to remember the NFL is getting, I forget what it is now, it's like seven over $7 billion a year from Fox, ESPN and the rest of them to broadcast their games. Um, The other money that's not shared is usually directly related to the stadium. It's the stuff that um, like the luxury suites, that money is not shared. Um, But even, you know, things that people don't think about is like merchandise sales are shared. So if you buy something like in the team's official pro shop, that isn't shared. But if you go on NFL.com, for example, and you buy a Bears hat, well, some of that money goes to the Packers. You know, if you buy a Rams hat, some of that money goes to the Jets. All of that money is shared as well. So they have a large incentive to really just sell as much as they can, because everybody's making money off of this stuff. So I think what happens is. You know when a team goes fifteen and or sixteen and zero now seventeen and zero, and a team goes you know zero and seventeen, the teams make the same amount of money. So it behooves, I think, in my opinion, the league to push certain storylines. And if you know it does the league good to have the Patriots keep winning Super Bowls with Tom Brady, well then they're going to do that. And you know the Lions may be willing to lose games. You know the Bills may be lo- willing to lose games because they're going to make money because Tom Brady's going to lose Super Bowl and more people are going to make money, you know, more people are going to buy their merchandise and the NFL is going to make more money. And that's going to be spread around to everybody in terms of the value. It's interesting. I don't totally understand like why the Cowboys are worth supposedly, whatever it is, $5 billion yeah. or whatever right. franchises. I don't quite understand that a lot of it is just name, brand, and recognition. You know, right. the Cowboys are America's team. And for whatever reason, a lot of people out there are Cowboys fans. And so I think that bumps up the supposed value of the franchise, but Again, that's estimated and guessed at, I think, you know, because Jerry Jones isn't selling the team tomorrow. So we really don't know how much their franchise is really worth. So it's really more about the league, I think, making money and the projected idea of how much these, you know, franchises are worth. And it's probably done many ways for them to get loans and make, you know, money off the money they have supposedly invested in the team because. Like the Bidwells have owned the Cardinals since the 1930s. The Halases have owned the Bears since the right. league began. Some of these guys are legacies. The Maras with the Giants, they're legacy teams. So really, they don't have any money invested in these teams. But if their franchise is valued at $3 billion, well, then that gives them a lot of leverage with banks and things like that, I think. Right. I that see. Makes sense. Right.
0: Well, a question kind of in the same ballpark, but maybe stepping it um, from macro to micro. As far as players, I mean <clears> – <throat> I guess this is kind of two questions in one but it's like to what degree are these games rigged and then when you consider it to me it seems like they're more and more rigged with each season um I don't remember when I was a kid it didn't seem as produced as it does today um but anyhow
2: I almost wonder if it's because we're we could be more aware um In certain instances, for for <laughs> what we're seeing, kind of what we're intrigued by, when it comes back to peeling back that onion, I wonder if that could have something to do with it, uh, Brian.
1: I think that it does have a lot to do. It. I think as the older you get, most people naturally get more cynical. <laughs> you know, I think right, that's kind right. of built in. So I think you know if you're not like we were talking actually before the show started, if you're not a hardcore diehard fan of a certain team or a certain league as you get older, it becomes kind of less meaningful to you and you still may watch and you still may participate, even go to games or what have you. But I think when you kind of take your fan hat off and look at these things from a distance and look at them more from the outside, looking in, then this kind of manipulation that I talk about that occurs in these sporting events, I think becomes more clear. And when you add in like the fact, you start realizing as an adult, Oh, you know, the NFL, isn't just something. The NFL is a multi-billion dollar business. (laughs) Yeah. as opposed to when you're a kid you're just like well it's football great you know then you start recognizing the patterns and you start questioning the supposed coincidences that help benefit the league help benefit NBC and ESPN and everybody else who's broadcasting it all and so it, I think it becomes more apparent from that um, perspective as far as players being involved you know that's the million dollar question here for me because you know I could be wrong I could be wrong 99% of the time when I say, well, I think this game was fixed or this game was fixed or this game was manipulated or what have you. But even if I'm right, just the one time it kills the integrity of the entire league, because if just one time the NFL said, okay, we're going to make sure team X beats team Y, and we're going to do everything we can to make that happen. Then you've killed your integrity because it's not what you purported to be, you know, with players, I think you can get to players in many ways. I mean, organized crime has taught us over the years You know, the way to get to people is to find their weaknesses, you know, whether a person has a drug problem, a gambling problem, just a problem with their wife or girlfriend, you know, some family issue, whatever. The NFL is aware of all this stuff just as well. So if a player, for example, you know, like test positive for steroids, I think the NFL could very easily go to that player if they need to or wanted to and say, look, do you want us to out you as a steroid user, suspend you for four games, and now you have that cloud over your head all the time? Or do you want us to make this positive test go away and go out there and do something for us tomorrow? Which do you want to do? Take your pick. And I mean, that's nothing that's written down. That's nothing the player 10 years from now can come out and really say, Oh, well the NFL told me to do this because you have no proof that the NFL told you to do this, but it's a very easy way to get to a player, get them to manipulate the game. And then once you've done that to him once, then you kind of have him in your back pocket. And if you need to go back and tap him on the shoulder again, you go, Hey, remember last time, and I think that's the sort of thing that can happen very easily. Yeah, I
0: gotcha. What I, I guess where I was um <clears throat> aiming that was like if all of the performances tainted, I guess not all of it, but even if some yeah. of it's tainted, um, how do you determine which players are gonna get paid more than others if you see where I'm going? Like if You mean why
1: you stop you mean why does Peyton Manning get what he got as opposed to, you know, Kirk Cousins or something like that? or even
0: like offensive linemen that, you know, say, say they play on a team like the lions, but they're really good. They're like Indomitian Sue is a good example. You know, it's like, how come he was valued so much more and got to go to the dolphins or wherever he ended up going versus, you know, some other defensive end on the lions. That's pretty good, but they're on the lions. So <laughs> because those games are manipulated for them to lose most of the time, he's looking worse than if that same guy played for you know I the Steelers.
1: It. I think what it comes down to is um talent is still necessary. And I think that's why because I get asked a lot of times, you know, why haven't the Lions won the Super Bowl or why haven't the Browns won the Super Bowl? Why have they been bad for 50 years? And I think part of it is talent because you can't fake that. You know, you can't take right. a player who's not good, maybe for a game. You can hide him for a game. I mean, I think they hid Tebow, Tim Tebow for about eight games with the Broncos. He wasn't good, but they were able to make him look good enough and make the Broncos win those games that got him into the playoffs to hide that, but they couldn't do it for a career. So they jettisoned that guy and let him go. But talent matters. So, you know, I think that's why, like, the draft is a real thing because you are trying to find that talent, and only certain people can excel at that level that is required for professional sports, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, what have you. You have to have talent. You can't fake a guy – hitting home runs you can't fake a guy throwing 100 mile an hour fastball you just can't so the talent does matter and what i think happens is the nfl will find especially with quarterbacks like you talked about earlier you know and star quarterbacks are what drive ratings for the nfl so you need that you can't fake aaron Rodgers' talent but once you see it emerge well then you can help it you know what i mean then you could say okay here's his offensive line they're committing holding on every fifth play but you know what we're going to tell our officials don't call it because we want him protected. And if he's protected more and they have less offensive holding calls against them, well, guess what? He's going to do better and his stats are going to be better. And guess what? The team's going to win. And that's going to be a game that's really manipulated, even though it's not necessarily manipulated by the league to make sure the Packers win. That game is manipulated to help Rogers do well because he's one of our stars and we want him to succeed. But by effect that helps that team win. And you see that I think in the NBA all the time. When you have certain players, like you can't guard them the way you guard other players because you breathe on them wrong. You get called for the foul and it gets sent to the line. Well, that's all it takes. If you create bubbles around certain star athletes, they're going to succeed because they do have that talent already. And that team's going to win more, which is great for the leagues. Again, the, those players wind up in the playoffs and those players wind up becoming superstars. It all falls into line. So you don't necessarily like have to get all 11 guys on the offense of a team to be in on the fix. You may not need any of them, but you got the officials who are helping them out. And that's all it takes.
2: I feel, I feel a lot of fans. We, and a lot of fans say that (laughs) a lot. When you start to see it from that perspective, you can almost see it too and feel it through, through the flow of the game through refs, through certain calls, through the inconsistencies of it. Um, And it's very, it's really intriguing kind of seeing that play out and the piggyback off of what G were saying. It seems like you're starting to see that a lot more, Brian. I mean, is that, is And I, you might I know you touched on this, but is that really more of a psychological thing and in, in, in getting older or are we are we seeing that or are it feels like folks...
1: even since I've picked up on it, it's it's increased, though. Well, you know, the NFL like this year was insane with games that yeah. came down to the final like two minutes, final drive or final play. Right. And I don't but, think I've seen it like that recently. I mean, just some guy standing 13 themselves. second
2: game winners, you know, yeah. with Pat there at the end. I mean, this is stuff we did unprecedented stuff.
1: Exactly. And some somebody who follows me on Twitter was kind of like tracking it throughout the course of the season. I think he wound up with and I'm going to get the stat wrong, but I think he said something like around like 45 percent of games wound up being decided like in the final two minutes. Right which is insane. I mean, that's an, it's, it's like NBA. You know, a lot of times people would say, well, you don't need to tune into the NBA until the final two minutes to see who's going to win or lose the game. The rest of it didn't matter. Well, that's what's happened suddenly with the NFL is it seems like it's come down to the final thing. I mean, the last six playoff games we've had, the four divisional games and the two um, conference championship games were all decided. The four co- divisional rounds on the final play, literally on the final play were decided. And the conference champions were both decided what, it was a final field goal, and um, the Rams had gave the ball back to the 49ers who had a chance to win it on the final play, but failed. So, I mean, it all came down to the final two minutes again. (laughs) And like I said, I mean, you know, that could be a happy accident for the NFL. But, again, I think if you look at it more cynically and logically, it's kind of impossible. (laughs) I mean, if it was – and now you're going to say, well, how did they do it? I don't know. I don't know how the, you know, magicians do their tricks either, but I know their tricks. I know Very they're true. tricking me. Very but true. At the same time, I know, you know, the guy didn't make the lady on stage. He didn't really cut her in half. Right. It's kind of, course, of the same of with course. the NFL. I know that, okay, maybe one game came down to the final play or one game came down to the final drive, but six in a row. And, a and, and, and that sort
2: of segues into something maybe a little deeper there, Brian, because I mean, I know we have the referees there and I know we have a lot of other things that could, um, potentially dictate those things but that's what i want to get into is like what could be some of those other things that are potentially
1: used to coaching say that again coaching coaching i think coaching plays a big role because just think about it you know because i'm not sure how much really players are totally involved in this Mm -hmm. i mean i think more often like i said i think players can be tapped and i think players have been gotten to and players i like peyton manning i think was like the legitimate NFL company guy who they said, Peyton, we need you to throw game X, but we'll reward you with game Y. And Peyton did that throughout his whole career. I mean, that's my opinion. Now, can I prove that? Not necessarily. No, of course, but I mean, that's kind of the way I see it. But with coaching, I mean, you just think about it, you know, again, in these last couple of games, like the chiefs bills game, you know, you had 13 seconds left and you kicked off and you kicked off out of the end zone and didn't take up any of those final 13 seconds when you knew Kansas City had all three timeouts and all they needed is a field goal to tie the game. That's an incredibly dumb coaching decision. Right. And it altered really the outcome of the game because had they squib kicked it, odds are it wouldn't have turned out the way it turned out. But at the same time, you know, like in the Rams game um, against the Buccaneers, somebody let Cooper Cup run down the middle of the field wide open for 50 yards and just had some slow safety covering up. Well, who do you think the Rams are gonna to throw to now? <laughs> you know, I mean, right. it's the end of the game. Cooper Cup's got two thousand yards, he's most receiving yards in NFL history for a season. And you're not gonna double cover the guy when it comes down to you know, game game-breaking moments. You're just gonna let him run wide open down the middle of the field. I mean, coaching can put players in bad positions and create bad matchups intentionally. Absolutely. And yet it does get questioned sometimes by the media, but a lot of times it's just let go. And nobody cares about it. But again, this these are game-changing things, which you know, I think armchair quarterbacks, guys sitting at home, see and wonder what were these dudes thinking? I mean, we're Seriously. told these are we're told these are football geniuses, right? And yet they right. do some of the dumbest things imaginable and get away with it. And then not only that, they can lose their job and get rehired somewhere else and do it again and keep getting rehired all over the place. There's a lot of nepotism in a that Exactly.
2: We talk about that all the time. We, we also talk about that that armchair guy that you're talking about, but there are some folks, you know, even in, in my family and that are close to our circle that knows football. And uh, when you know football and you understand football, you sort of know what you're saying. And it's easy to sort of, say you know oh, look at that guy who who's never played or who's played but not playing now you know uh go after the coaching or go after the coaches what do you know but sometimes you can just see it
1: yeah y- y-
0: <laughs> and one thing I, one thing I wanted to touch on because I was thinking about it when y'all were talking about the officials is like especially in the last 10-15 years technology could take over all officiating why is it? why if they're really about the integrity of the game why are they still measuring first downs with <laughs> a chain instead in a of chain. a
2: laser two guys in a chain <laughs> Yeah, know? absolutely multi-billion dollar company of course making making big decisions well
1: and right? that's why i think again it's part of its manipulation it has to be because like you said how much would it really cost the nfl to put in these you know changes to the game and the way it's officiated with technology how much would it really cost them i mean like a dime basically I mean, the MLB. I mean to measure it first down. You have to have two guys with chains to figure it out. You're telling me there's not a technology advancement that can do that for you and do it really almost precisely without any issues whatsoever. And again, yeah. how much would it really cost them? I mean, major league baseball supposedly right. is going to slowly implement the robot umpires, but they still right. haven't done it. And they, yeah, and are that's,
0: they? That, I'm wearing this hat because it's yeah. an umpire hat <laughs> and it blows my mind. I'm a baseball guy. So it blows my mind when I'm watching the world series and they have the K Zone. Interplay, you know, interface yeah. on the screen. It's like if they have that on the screen, why can't the umpire just have a little earpiece and a guy is in in the
1: a buzzer? Yeah, yeah. Strike, ball a strike from, yeah. from okay. the case. You know, yeah. it's
0: not that hard.
1: No. It, it no, because I mean you can't have a guy, you can't probably technologically speaking figure out like if there's a play at the plate, what a guy was safer out. Yeah, I get that. I mean I'm you need a guy standing the there, so yeah, strikes. I mean certain things you have to have right officials for, but again with the NFL you know, they kind of started implementing this eye in the sky thing too this year. But again, you still have to have instant replay, re, you know, being called by coaches. Why? Right. You know, why are certain plays automatically reviewed and, you know, ruled upon instantly? Like, oh no, that wasn't the fumble we know right away. And here we go. And other plays, well, the coach has to throw the challenge flag to figure out what really happened on this play. Why don't they have three guys watching TV for the NFL who can just, same thing, buzzer in and say, hey, look, that was a fumble. They recovered it. The ball's on the 40-yard line. Let's go. Instead of having these long, drawn-out five-minute explanations and figure out what the hell happened here, there, and everywhere. And at the same time, what I always wondered is, why can't we hear them talking about this stuff?
2: Right? Very true.
1: Yeah, because yeah, no, they, they would. I think they'd be fascinating for fans. It would. If you could if you could have the replay role and seeing what the officials are seeing, and then hear them talking about supposedly about the rules and how we're going to decide what happened would be great television. But yeah. nope. That's all secret. Can't know about that because who knows what they're really talking about. Right. Say it all the time. They're they
2: talking about bringing folks inside the game and, and making things more accessible. That's definitely a, a one way yeah. to do that. But I think that will, you know, shed light on too much there.
1: <laughs> well, that's the scary part. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's the only reason that makes sense why you can't hear it. Why you wouldn't. Right. Yeah, yeah, because they must not necessarily be talking about what you think they're supposed to be talking about. Right. Do do you feel like for the
0: most part, players and organizations are striving to win and there's a top down mechanism? Okay, so you you do think that it's. Well, we just saw, right? Brian Flores.
1: Brian Flores just came out and said, I mean, now I don't know if he's being honest, but I think he's being honest. He said the Miami Dolphins owner, Ross, told me that I'd get $100,000 per loss. That doesn't sound like a team that wants to win. This is that. That's
2: going to be a domino of course, effect too. Of course, there, of course. That, 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 that's going to be a domino effect there. It's already slowly starting, but it's it's going to start to churn up. I think is more.
0: Okay, as more I should I should up. I should refine my question because the argument there would be okay. The guy wants to tank to get better draft picks because oh, they're trying to win
1: long term. But 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 people right? need to stop right there because this has been going on the nba since the 1980s we know yeah absolutely yeah and what i've argued is that is the very definition of a fixed game if people don't think games are being fixed you look at the nba and game tanking and tell me how those are not fixed games you literally have ownership whether it's the owner himself or the general manager telling the coaches and the players we don't care we don't want to win we'd rather lose because we're getting a better draft picks. So now you're saying that a significant portion of NBA season play, I mean, we're talking 10, 20 games from multiple teams, don't matter. And they're officially trying to go out there and lose. Those are fixed games. And there's nothing, and they still charge full price for the tickets, still charge full price for the beers, for the parking, for the t shirts, for everything else. And yet you're saying this is a legitimate competition, but it's clearly not. It's clearly being fixed. And even Mark Cuban went on the Dan Patrick show and said, I took my team out to dinner and I told them it's in our best interest to lose. And yet he sure got fined for making that comment because he made it publicly. He didn't lose ownership of his team. He was telling his team to lose. Right. He was going out there fixing NBA games. Nobody cared about nobody. People were still betting on them. I mean, that's the very different definition of what I'm talking about here. I mean, it's basically proven in NBA game tanking, And now we know for sure Pretty much that's going on in the NFL, too. It's likely gone on in the NHL because draft picks matter there, too. So we, there's three of the four major sports in the United States that we know games are being fixed in by ownership to make sure that supposedly they get a better draft pick. And, and for, as
2: far as Flores is concerned, if you think back to when he was um, apparently asked to do that, uh, they were already finding him and the GM were already finding strategic ways to, to get, to garner more draft picks without even necessarily having to do that. You know, they were uh, trading certain players, making moves, um, stacking up draft picks. I remember, I think, Yeah. The year after that, I'm pretty sure they had established quite a few. If I'm not mistaken, the next two or three years that Flores were there, they had accumulated a lot of draft picks from doing it the right way without even having to lose on purpose, per se. So um, it's interesting looking at that because there is a strategy on, you know, potentially building your team the right way. Um, and if losing the resu- is a result of getting younger and giving away overpriced players, okay, but to lose on purpose um, brings a whole nother light to the situation, and I think it's going to be a domino effect moving
1: forward. To be honest, the folks coming out and talking about that, well, that's the thing. Will anybody really talk about it? And if they talk about it, will anybody cover it? That's the other thing, it's another point, you know, because right? I've right. encountered that, trust me, with my career. You know, Very some true. people I can promise imagine. to say one thing and then that never happens and just disappears. That's that's a great thing about the media. You know, if it's not on ESPN, if it's not in Sports Illustrated, you know, and it happens in the world of sports, does it really happen? Right. That's the big thing.
2: Very good point. I was I was going to ask you about that, too, Brian. I mean, I know you've you uh, had a great interview on Dan Patrick's show and, 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 shows like that. When you go on these mainstream media platforms, <laughs> how, how are you balancing, you know, I'm sure what you really want to dig into and peel back on and, but also realizing I, I'm on a platform where I want to continue to be on these platforms to speak on these topics, but maybe not go too far to have, you know, mainstream sort of
1: look at me a certain way. Well, I already had my reputation kind of, i don't know racked i don't know if that's right. the right term but <laughs> blackballed well yeah blackballed really, I mean, <laughs> right. it sounds you know it sounds stupid but i mean i wrote i'll make a long story really short i wrote this book called larceny games which is based on all this fbi information i accumulated through the freedom of information act okay right. and in that book i talked about straight out of the files i didn't make it up but they named at least I forget what it was, like four NFL Hall of Fame players who had bet on their own games that the FBI knew about. And like at least three NBA Hall of Famers that had bet on their own games that they knew about. And I named them all in the book because I could figure it out from the FBI files. It was no big deal. So my publisher got contacted by ESPN, Yahoo Sports, HBO Sports. Everybody wanted a copy of the book ahead of time. I had, you know, meetings with producers from 60 Minutes and the sports illustrated said they're going to run an excerpt from my book in their magazine and then nobody did anything they all made it disappear no i mean nobody wrote a review of the book that said oh right. this book's terrible nobody wrote a review that said it's great it's just like they all looked at it saw what i had and said nope we're not touching that and made it disappear now it was again i didn't make this stuff up right. i wasn't accusing you know like Len Dawson of fixing games. I was saying, look, this is exactly what the FBI knew. And yeah, it really seemed like Len Dawson definitely had bet on the Chiefs and probably fixed games to ensure he won those bets. But I wasn't, you know, making things making it up. And yet the sports media all shunned it. They all made it go away. They all made it disappear. And therefore nobody bought the book, nobody read it, nobody learned about it. And it's still kind of a mystery to a lot of people. But I mean, again, it's not. You know, they I get called a sports conspiracy guy, but I didn't make that stuff up. It was right in J- the files. And I was just the so one who found it. So, something something that
2: G and I are very used to and familiar with is as soon as you start to uh, speak on something that maybe not fits the mainstream narrative, that that's what the label is, and 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 that's yeah. how society uh uh recognizes it as so now, i was um, gonna say
0: james though um i was listening to a podcast with brian earlier and that dan patrick interview i think you were actually on to talk about legalizing sports gambling <laughs> yeah, i
1: know I, I goofed him that was great <laughs> and you actually
0: <laughs> turned the conversation
2: yes uh, i did kind of yeah. notice that and i that that's what made me think to ask that question because i was like it, oh okay this could go somewhere interesting but you know they're they're very crafty at making sure that they keep it in a particular
1: lane that it works and um well i was pretty uh, amazed but, i was able to do that to dan patrick right because he bought i like put out like you know it was like fishing i put out the bait and the dude took <laughs> it and i was able to turn my little 10 minute segment into what i really wanted <laughs> into to talk what about you put in it. i mean they Leverage. never had me back but i still got it out there so that was the main the main Leverage. thing for me
2: <laughs> right yeah. right no that was awesome
0: so I just wanted to run down a few things um you know like I was saying right before we started recording my years as a sports fanatic or nerd were uh 96 97 to about 2006 2007 that was when I was about 6 or 7 to about the time I was uh 17 or 18 and um so one was the Patriots after 9/11 I mean the Patriots right after 9/11 was just always a little fishy to me and then the dynasty happened um the the yankees made the world series that year although they did lose yeah Um, but they
1: hit like a buck 86 for the series because they had to face johnson and Schilling that year (laughs) right, right
0: and um and then the, the Super Bowl between the Steelers and the Seahawks. I was still a Redskin. I, I root for the Steelers now, but I know it's all fixed now. And it's more like a, I just picked the team because of the more, the way they run their business or the attitude of the fans. It's more the culture that I like. It's an
2: organization as <laughs> I like to harp on. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> but it was basically <laughs> the polar opposite of being a Redskin fan for all those years. Right. So yeah. that's why, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, Regardless, I mean, back then, I was like, this is fixed as hell. Bettis, you know, going out in Detroit, and then the, the calls that were made. I mean, the Roethlisberger touchdown, uh, <laughs> I still remember that. It's such a horrible call. Um,
1: and You well, knew that Super Bowl was bad when, two. I think it was like two years later, it might have been three years later, the head of referee from that game, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But he literally was at the Seahawks training camp, and he apologized for yeah. that Super Bowl. Yeah. And it actually became news. I I couldn't believe that it actually got out. But I mean, if that's not a guilty conscience at work, I don't know what right, is. Right. Right. I mean, because otherwise you would just be like, oh, hey, I did my job and tough luck you guys lost. But to be yeah. apologized, it's like, yeah, I really screwed that game up for you guys. It's kind <laughs> of a wild. telling statement. Yeah, no kidding.
2: I wonder how many times uh, those zebras had to come to Sean Payton and do that over <laughs> <With> the <laughs> over the years well, that's some of the, the stuff we saw there
1: well especially the championship game with the rams and the non-call on the pass interference and that's right you know that's what i like to tell people i'm like look you know if the referees were doing such a bad job why didn't those guys get fired right At least i fine. mean if i had a job on <laughs> national tv that right. i screwed up as bad as they did there would be some sort of repercussion i would think yeah if they didn't get fined right get suspended they didn't lose their job. They're still out there officiating NFL games. Well, why is that? My answer is, is because they did the job that they were instructed to do by the league. So they that's really right. didn't do a bad job. It may look bad from your perspective, watching at home, but from the NFL's perspective, that's perfect. Good job, guys.
2: It's, it's unbelievable. Even the talking heads on ESPN. I remember recently we're talking about after Sean Payton, had walked, you know, stepped away from the saints. Um, <laughs> how, you know, there's potential for him to want to go to an organization that he might be able to get those sort of, I'm paraphrasing <laughs> here, but might be able to get those sort of calls moving forward, you know, not being in a small market or with a small market team, mm-hmm. you know, so those sorts of things could stop happening to me. I couldn't believe when I was hearing it, you know, those little things you hear differently these days. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because sure. like,
1: you're right. That's a statement that should never be made. Right. Because right. if everything's fair and by the rule book. Th- that's it wouldn't matter. Small comment. market, no. large market, right. anything. Right. Exactly. No, not at all.
0: <clears throat> and then um, before I get into like my specific notes that I have here, the one other thing that I picked up on just listening to your podcast more recently is, and I don't know why I didn't like pick up on it myself, but all of these strong teams, Houston strong, Boston strong, There hasn't been one that's a loser yet.
1: No. (laughs) That's interesting. You're right. Yeah. No, that's the coincidence of coincidences. Yeah. You had Vegas strong with the shooting at the country music festival and their expansion hockey team somehow made it to the Stanley Cup finals. That year. Which makes no sense. The Houston Astros, despite the fact that they were cheating, stealing signs, made it to the World Series and won the World Series the year they were Houston strong get Boston strong after the Boston Marathon bombing and both the Red Sox and the Bruins made it to the finals. The Red Sox winning, the Bruins losing. And then, like you said, you had the Saints after Hurricane Katrina before the hashtag oh, yeah. thing happened. And you had the Patriots after 9-11 and the Yankees really after 9-11. A lot of people say, well, they lost, but still they were in the World Series. So, but, yeah. yeah, but find one where it didn't happen. That's my question. And it happens. You know, we have disasters all the time. We have shootings, unfortunately, all the time. How come none of these hashtag shrunks These things have been associated with a losing team. Again, is that just coincidence or is that good business? Well, you know, I like to say it must be a coincidence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> must be.
0: <laughs> the um, one specific I had to ask you about being that I'm in Richmond and uh, VCU is kind of a, a thing around here. Um, the first year that March Madness expanded to the first four, Playing games uh vcu made an unlikely run to the final four would do you have any specific thoughts or intelligence on that
1: well you know i think the ncaa is harder <clears throat> to fix in terms of of those um storylines put it that way um that doesn't mean they can't do it um but i definitely know you know, NCAA basketball and football games have been fixed by gamblers, especially with these kids not getting paid. It's very easy to get them to shave points and do things you want them to do, um, especially with the booster influence amongst all these players too. The VCU thing, it's hard to really say that that was influenced and forced upon into being. I honestly, I mean, I remember it happening, but I don't remember like the calls in the game or how it might've been manipulated to do so because the problem with the NCAA, although that, NCAA association itself makes a ton of money on March Madness. In fact, that's where they make most of the revenues. March Madness. You know, the individual, the you know, the ACCs, the SECs, all the little conferences and stuff. They don't benefit from that sort of thing like they do the pro um, or the bowl games, I should say, in football. So the VCU thing, I, I, I hate to disappoint you, but I really can't say for sure that that was forced into being. I mean, I think with everything, I think all things are possible. Sure. But right. it's a harder thing to I see happen in um, college basketball like that than I would say like in the NBA, where I think there's more monetary attachment to those sorts of Cinderella stories. Right. But um, again, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility again when money's involved. Right. Yep.
0: What do you, what do you got, James?
2: Um, well, I'll tell you what. Okay, it's fixed, but what does Dan Snyder have to do to get some things fixed to go his way? <laughs> like if like what if, if it you know, like I, I don't understand. All uh, right, let me let me let me let me take a step back. I, I'm an unfortunate um Washington follower, I should say, more so than a than a fan these days. At this point, I think G can can attest that. I follow to actually break more news off the field about them than than anything about winning on the field. But um, I guess my question is, these organizations like Washington, like the Jets, like Detroit, like these organizations that are always um, seem to be um, um, loser organizations or, or dysfunctional, or um, incompetent from the top down, whatever you want to, however you want to put it, um, what, are, what are their roles in this? I, I know this season we saw quite a few interesting upsets, um, but what makes, you know, and I know you touched on talent, but is there something to organizations that just are continuously losing or continuously losing? perennial losers like are they like, it's almost like their their role in this story in this the Jaguars. song and dance is to be uh just bad and, and and that has you know believe it you know people can laugh but it, i feel that it, for fan bases that are loyal browns and the bills and uh, you know the bills are kind of are good now but for a long time it's like this those those blue collar Hard working fan bases, and I know Pittsburgh has been good for a while too. So they they really don't count. But just what what is that? Is there something to that? Is there something more to that, or is it's just bad leadership and it's just bad product on the field year
1: in and year out? I think that's part of it is the leadership and the ownership uh, being involved and how directly involved they are and how much they care to be involved. I mean, not right. all owners really, I think, own teams because they want to win Super Bowls. Right. I think some owners own teams because they can use their team as like a tax dodge. I mean, I think there's, there's other reasons to own NFL teams than saying, well, I'm going to own this team or I'm going to make them a championship caliber franchise. I don't think it matters to a lot of, to, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but to some of these owners, I don't think that really matters how well the team does on the field. I think the prestige of having that owning that team is just another feather in their hat. And it's someplace where, Hey, if we're going to have a business meeting, why don't we do it while our team's playing? And Hey, look here, here, I am in my, you know, presidential suite and check it out. And it doesn't get the game is secondary, if not tertiary. It doesn't really matter to them. And I think again, too, you know, I think some teams do try. I mean, like the bears, for example, have been bad for a very long time. Their owners, a 96 year old woman, um, I don't think she cares too much. I mean, right. I know she knows she's at every game, but I don't think she's involved in the day-to-day operations. Day-to-day. At all. also it falls right. down to other people within the family, how much they care, <clears throat> how much attention they put into it. Who knows? But I think it does require to a certain extent power within the league to also get that league help. You know, and that's what I talk about. Like, you know, but people say, why well, and the Cowboys one more, you know, they're America's team. Well, a lot of people don't realize that Jerry Jones doesn't share revenue like all the other nfl owners do and i think that pisses them off <laughs> pisses them off right <laughs> you know to a big extent so you know they're fine okay the cowboys made the playoffs that's good for television that's good for ratings that's good for our bottom line there but we're not going to give jones and the cowboys help because he's not giving us help in the money so the cowboys completely always fall apart in the playoffs now if the cowboys were like the patriots where Robert Kraft does a lot, you know, with the NFL helps the NFL build relationships overseas, helps the NFL with the television deals. Well, that matters. That matters to everybody. So maybe the Patriots got a lot of help because of that. The Cowboys don't get any help because of that, and that's the difference between having you know six Super Bowls and none over the past few years. And I think yeah. that's a, I think that has a lot to do. With it is the power within those leagues themselves amongst the owners. Because I mean, you got to think too. Like in the NBA back in the '80s, how many franchises were really just filler? Right, right. I mean, there was really right. like you know there was the Bulls, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Pistons, maybe the Knicks, and then a bunch of you know Washington Generals playing those five globetrotter teams. Yeah, I mean that's what it. And, and do those owners I, I feel complain? it's still like that for the NBA? In many ways, it is. But do those yeah. owners complain? Do they you know? Try harder. I I don't know. I don't think it. Again, I don't think a lot of them may not just matter whether they win or lose. It's just no. You can see they're of in
2: that league. You know. what you say makes sense. I mean, I feel you can see it. You can see it sometimes. And when you follow the day to day of certain organizations, like like Washington, you can you you know, you you know, you just see it. You know it. It, It's 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 like no. There's no way that um, when you're getting paid uh because the tv deals you know are paying these guys regardless if you lose there's no incentives to win it's not like no exactly. um, how soccer has its uh, uh structured which i honestly think could work in the, in the league in the nfl oh,
1: <laughs> i think it would make things seem a lot more legitimate that's for sure if you could get regulate you know regulated right. to be in the second tier right. then yeah i think a lot more motivation would be involved but at the same time you know like you said with schneider you know is the Re- redskins really his number one priority in life probably not are they the 10th you know most important thing in his life who knows but it doesn't seem like it's a main focus for him it seems like he's screwing around doing other stuff half the time and not even (laughs) know what's going on in the organization so not at all absolutely absolutely god
0: so you definitely answered that um organizations are not striving to win always but what about players for the most part do you think most players are striving to win and that they're being manipulated by coaches or officials most of the time or do you think there really are what maybe what percentage
1: of players are compromised do you oh, I have no idea right. I really couldn't throw a guess out there I mean I think a lot of players understand especially with officiating that some guys get calls and some guys don't and some mm-hmm. teams get calls and some don't and I think they're very well aware of how that functions and how that can hurt or aid them, depending on which side of the coin they wind up being. I mean, I think they're, I, and you hear it even, and that's why they have to find them if they talk bad about the officials after the game because right. they don't want them coming out every game and saying, you know, we got screwed by the officials out there because it happens time and time again. So but it's interesting. It's a really interesting question because I mean, you take a guy like, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but like Aaron Rodgers, I think, in my belief, because I unfortunately live in Wisconsin and. If subject to the Packers day in, day out here. I think he tanked this last playoff game against the 49ers. It certainly did look like it. I think because he was pissed off with the general manager and the rest of the team brass. Mm. I think he went out during the season and won the MVP. Cause that was for him. That's for me. I am the MVP of this league. And I went out and did this and in the playoffs. If I made it to the super bowl won the super bowl. Yes. I Aaron Rodgers would get another ring, but then so would the general manager and all the team brass that I hate. And they'd say, well, we won the super bowl. Well, Rogers would be like, yeah, but I gave that to you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to win the MVP for myself. He took that first drive. He took them right down the field and scored against the 49ers. So probably in his head said, yeah, I could beat these guys. And then said, you know what? Forget it. I'm here. <laughs> Damn. And, and, and I mean, and I could be totally wrong. Dark, yeah. But I think there is that within certain players where it is a lot of ego and a lot about me, but not necessarily team and winning. So I think that does play a role, because I, I mean everybody's different. You know, not all players have the same motivation. You know, some guys take performance-enhancing drugs, some don't. You know, but the guys who don't aren't ratting out the guys that do. Why not? Because the guys that don't are probably losing jobs and contract money to the guys that do. So they should be ratting them out. But yet the union somehow keeps everybody together. And working Mm. for the same supposed goal but yet they're screwing each other by doing things like that so it's not you know despite all the talk about team and we want to all win and we're out for the ring i don't think that's really the truth i think for some guys it is sure but for all of them no i don't think so all right interesting interesting stuff indeed it's depressing isn't it
2: (laughs) well you know it's (laughs) fascinating for for it it
0: it is. For me, it it's like I'm convinced that it's fixed and I'm coming at it from an angle of how much is it? How much is real? That's that's well, what yeah. I'm looking for. That's right. the thing is, like I don't, how
2: far does this?
1: I go, know it's fixed. Yeah. How much is like how like, compromised are the why I try too, as a player? Yeah, yeah. well, because I mean, look at professional wrestlers. You right. know, there's dudes who have careers as professional wrestling as being the heel who always loses <clears throat> you to kind of be the warm up match. You still get paid. It's still pretty good money and you're still doing what you love. So, why not go do it? I mean, there's, you know, especially like in boxing and mixed martial arts, there are guys who are out there just to get their heads beat in every, you know, night. Right. That's kind of their job. They're still, still a boxer. They still say, I'm a, you know, boxer, but they have a record of like four and, you know, 82. <laughs> but that's <laughs> their job. So, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, I don't think the NFL, the NBA are as scripted as like professional wrestling by any means. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't think every game is fixed. I don't think it needs to be fixed because certain games, definitely don't matter. In other games, you pretty much know team A is going to beat team B, you know, 90, 999 times out of a thousand. So if we need to fix it and give it a little help here, fine. But for the most part, we can let those games go. I think, you know, it's when you see storylines and stars suddenly emerge like Joe Burrow this year, where the NFL goes, Hey, we're going to jump on the Joe Burrow bandwagon. Well, now we're going to start helping Joe Burrow and the Bengals and we're going to push them along maybe farther than they should go. Because again, that's going to benefit everybody by making Joe Burrow a star. I think those are the things that happen, but I don't think they said at the beginning of the season, the NFL owners and said, we're going to make Joe Burrow a star this year. I don't think that's the way it works. I think as he progressed and got better and started doing the things he did, then they jump on the bandwagon and make things happen. Right. Yeah. So
0: I did want to share your work because like I said, Brian, I've been really fascinated by your work. Um, Thank you. One interview that you've been talking about and you posted on Twitter recently that I'm going to link in the description is this former Dwight oh, Smith guy. player. T- talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, Dwight Smith, I mean, he was brought on this Tampa Bay radio station, sports radio station to talk about the Buccaneers being in the Super Bowl last year. And for whatever reason, which it's kind of baffling, I'd like to talk to the guy. I probably should try to reach out to him. But he basically started talking about how the whole NFL is basically fixed, like I talk about, yeah. and that games aren't decided on their field. And he actually laughed at the um, two radio hosts for thinking yeah. that they were. And he's like, "No, these are decided well off the field. That has nothing to do with the talent out there. It's decided well before we step on the field to play." Oh, he's, and he's
0: legitimately laughing at him, James. He's yeah. legitimately
1: laughing at him. And he, <laughs> I mean, and here's the guy. This is a guy who won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And he's wow. saying, "No, if you think it works that way, you're you're nuts." Yeah, and
0: that was when I got tipped to the fact he was like, "Well, I think COVID this is the perfect year for uh, the host of the Super Bowl to make the Super Bowl because people aren't traveling and all."
1: You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the real ironic one is the right. fact that there was a quote Super Bowl curse where no home team, like you said earlier in the show, ever hosted a Super Bowl. Oh, for and fifty-four, yet, and, and then the year through, of the right. pandemic <laughs> when everybody was forced to stay home amazingly the super bowl had to stay home and again it's now repeated this year with the rams and their new five billion dollar stadium i mean that's coincidences i tell you man those exactly. things exactly pre-covid over
0: so... 54 covid two for two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious um so brian you can find a lot of his work a lot of the stuff that i've read on his website thefixesin.net. Um, these are five proofs Um, if you just want to like touch on those real quick Brian we don't have to read the whole thing but basically this is what uh, I was already kind of intuitively starting to think that these were fixed but when I hopped on your website and read just these five uh, facts that it was like I already knew them but when you read them all together
1: like that it's like oh yeah well the biggest one really I mean we talked about the revenue sharing and the fact that this is entertainment um, The biggest one is the law, the legal end of it. And there's no law that prevents a league like the NFL from fixing its own games. And that I think is the biggest mind blower out there. You know, there's two laws that I talk about them on my website is ones about game shows. You can't fix intellectual contests um, because there was a big game show scandal back in the 1950s where they're being rigged like I talk about for sports. For television purposes to make it more exciting for people to tune in and watch Dramatic. so they outlawed that they didn't outlaw sporting contests or physical contests so you could like still technically fix like american idol or you know survivor or a lot of other things but you can't fix jeopardy or wheel of fortune mm. so the other law that exists which actually flores and huge action now made kind of public was it's illegal to bribe someone to alter the outcome of a sporting event, mm-hmm. which is the sports bribery act, which developed out of all the game fixing occurring in college basketball in the 1950s. Um, but again, if the NFL tells its referees, you know, this is how we want you to do your job and that's going to alter the outcome of a game. Well, they're not being bribed to do it. So it's not breaking the law. Mm-hmm. So legally the NFL can fix all the games they want. The NBA can fix all the games they want and they're not breaking any law because this is entertainment And the two main laws that are on the federal books don't pertain to that. And on top of it, a lot of people say, well, then this would be fraud. But you had somebody like the Jets fan who sued the Patriots over Spygate Mm -hmm. lost in court. And the judges confirmed that, look, when you buy a ticket to see a game, if it's an NFL game, all they have to do is play an NFL football game. Doesn't mean certain rules have to be followed, doesn't mean certain players have to play or play up to their best ability. As long as they play a football game as opposed to a basketball game, they've met their contractual obligations to you. so there's nothing stopping the league from doing what i talk about in terms of manipulating all these games all right. so if you are a multi-billion dollar business why wouldn't you do this right. it's the best business decision to make is to make games as interesting as you possibly can to get people to tune in because that's where all your money is, is through television
0: money makes the world go around <clears throat> uh, So the the sidebar here he's got a few um a few pages on this website i selected a few of the ones that i liked the most this is the top 10 all-time fixed games uh, obviously i don't want to go through every single one but i knew in my heart that <laughs> junior <laughs> went in the race right after he had died at daytona i knew when that yeah. happened
2: that, that was yeah fun. i remember i'll never forget and, that and <laughs>
0: brian mentions they i mean it wasn't even a secret michael Waltrip said mm. i'm not going to pass junior
1: yep yeah. so, yeah Yeah. and again people think you know this is a conspiracy theory no that was that was public that one was
0: obvious um the joe namath one i mean you write about it in your book but if you just want to quickly go over that for anybody who doesn't already know
1: well super bowl three i think was like where everybody learned this trick Hmm. because that game meant so much money and this actually wasn't even my idea there's a guy a former nfl player named bernie Parrish wrote a book um, called They Call It a Game back in the 1970s. And Parrish actually worked for the NFL Players Union for decades. Um, he was really committed to it. But he wrote in his book that he thought Super Bowl Three was fixed. And now here's a player who played in the league during that era coming out literally saying, I think that was fixed. And he basically said, well, I thought when CBS and NBC bought into the NFL that they literally bought the league, that they came in and took over and controlled it. And what happened with Super Bowl Three is – the merger was going on between the AFL and the NFL, and there were more NFL fans in the United States than AFL fans, and they didn't accept the AFLs being like legitimate sports league. They thought it was like second-class football, which is amazing because AFL football basically is what we have now today in the NFL. It's all passing and high-scoring and craziness like that. And the NFL was the old-school defense and running. But anyway, so the argument is the Super Bowl three was rigged to basically justify the merger and show that the AFL was just as good as the NFL was. And because of that outcome it literally led to the modern day NFL and created billionaires out of all those guys who owned the league at the time. Yep, but had the Colts won it might have been a different story and a different, you know, feature for the NFL.
0: And we talked about the Saints in the Katrina year um, a little bit earlier but you had that as your number one overall fixed game Oh, yeah. uh, that game was I, disgusting i think you know i saw it live and it seemed obviously fixed to me too but if you want to just say anything about that well because
1: no, you know they are supposed to be i would think as broadcasters impartial to a certain extent and yeah. that game was a total <laughs> new orleans saints yeah. love fest yeah. right i mean and the sad thing is is the part that bothered me because my brother is like an electrical lineman, and he worked like recovery in in New Orleans after the hurricane, you know, rebuilding their infrastructure and all that sort of thing. And they were acting like because the Superdome reopened and the Saints were playing there, the team literally like saved the city of New Orleans. Now, meanwhile, like five blocks away from the stadium, people still hadn't had power for like six right. months or a year. Right. But no, you know, the Saints saved New Orleans, and that was the first game back in the Superdome, and it was Monday night football and it was just a total joke I mean it was all about the Saints it was all about the right from the pregame and yeah Mm -hmm. and you know I think and especially funny too I think if I remember right the Falcons uh head coach was Jim Mora's son Um, and Mora (laughs) was the longtime coach of the Saints and the the son grew up in New Orleans right yeah and so it just I mean it was all like here's a game for the saints want everybody to be happy and it was just a Cinderella you know fairy tale story that they told that night
0: yep and then I remember because like I said that's right around the time where I was super duper into sports um Mm -hmm. the the Steelers had you know I wasn't the only one who was like that game seemed fixed so with the Super Bowl being a lot of people questioning the Super Bowl being fixed the year before. That was the reason why they didn't let the Saints advance all the way to the Super Bowl and exactly. why they fell short to the Bears. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, even in the Saints Super Bowl that they won, you know, their quarterback was Peyton Manning. Right. For the Colts. I mean, right. wasn't I mean, his dad was Archie Manning, the basically yep. the only quarterback the Saints ever had. So Peyton grew up in Louisiana and he grew up in New Orleans. He yep. was another guy who would be just a perfect guy to tank a game for the Saints. Yep. I and mean, then and then in Super Bowl 50, he gets
0: handed yeah, he a W. Gets, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and walks off a champion. And, I mean, that also seemed like a total great job with Cam Newton looking at the football that he should have yeah. picked and off. You know, I listen, oh,
2: my <laughs> goodness. <I> like, <laughs> that one. Oh, my goodness. And Peyton has such dead arm. Oh, For so yeah. him to still pull that off. And it was obvious dead arm. I mean, it just was. Yeah. What an interesting.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> but again isn't i mean that's all story building that's all great for the league and again it's all stuff that they could make happen if they wanted to right but and that's what sells tickets that's what got people interested i mean cam looked right
2: at that ball i mean it's it's some some of the stuff that that
1: well then Cam after the game too wouldn't talk that was really interesting part was the fact that after after the game he was just like nope uh, nope and left which to me made him look almost even more guilty that he just threw that game. Mm.
0: Mm. So so, um, Brian has a lot of his past interviews on his website as well, fixesnnet slash interviews. I did check out a few of these um, over the last couple of weeks as I was preparing for this. Good stuff, man. Got to just let you know that's really, really awesome uh, material for anybody who wants to dive further
1: into this. You don't get any of my crazy Alex Jones interviews, though, so that's... Uh... I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't seen it. Well, that you can't, right because you, too, pulled oh. Alex Jones. Oh, so. yeah. oh right. got yanked, so I got yanked along with him.
0: But, but what if, if you go to the InfoWars site, you wouldn't be able to find it on the InfoWars site? I have no
1: idea okay okay i haven't looked i I it doesn't it doesn't mean that much to me but i just (laughs)
0: yeah no he's he's an entertainer if nothing else that's for sure well i one
1: time i went on a show it's like i went on a show a few times but one of the times he had me on apparently he like his family like knew lance armstrong's family Mm -hmm. and so as he was bringing me on the show he went on this anti lance armstrong rant (laughs) And I mean, he was just going and going. And finally, when the producers caught in to me and he said, uh, we're going to have to push you to the next segment. He's like, uh, Alex just does this sometimes. Uh, he just <laughs> kind of goes on these rants. So uh, if you can hang around for a few extra minutes, that'd be great. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure, problem, no problem. But yeah. So I mean, he is—he just kind of goes off on his own. It's yeah, totally hey. an act. It's just him. It's just yeah. him. Oh, uh, man. These
0: are the top 10 six series seasons or streaks. Um, there was just a couple on here that I wanted to. You talked about Tim Tebow's 2011 season a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's um, ridiculous. But yeah, but really, it's just these top, well, really, just this one that I want to hear you go into a little bit more on because I really felt like that was a. a yeah, a, a rigged job. I, I could you call it a choke job? I mean, you said Curry's wife tweeted, I've lost all respect. This is absolutely rigged for money. I know. Uh, if she's tweeting that out, then I have to believe that you know it was more coming from the officials than the Warriors. Uh, mm-hmm. you well, know. they've
1: like <laughs> it's like it put in there. I mean, Draymond Green got suspended mm-hmm. for some reason. Nobody for some told, reason, yeah, for nobody seems <laughs> to really totally know why, exactly. but got him out of the way, cleared it out the way. And then Steph Curry followed out that one game, yep. which they never, he never fouls never out. Never, never fouls out. The star, any star. Mm-hmm. no nope. Ever. Right. right. I mean, they basically, again, through officiating, kind of said, here you go, LeBron. Here you go, Cleveland. Right. Away you go. Cleveland." I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wrote, yeah. I think that's, I'm getting old. I think I wrote a chapter about it in my book, The Fix is Still In, about that whole. Yep that whole series you
0: did and the fix is still in goes into um some other sports like golf horse racing boxing um whereas the fix is in just sticks to the four main nhl mlb nba and nfl if i if i recall correctly
1: yeah i well i never figured i'd be doing this for 12 years right (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 scary well i mean when i wrote the fix is in it was like 2009 it came out in 2010 I was like, okay, well, I kind of got that off my chest. I'm done with this. And then I realized mm-hmm. there's like kind of like this void where nobody talks about this stuff. Uh-huh. And back then I used to be able to do a lot more radio interviews because you could actually contact people and get on the air. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more I dug into it, and that's when I started doing all the FBI digging and stuff like that. But I was like, nobody is, nobody cares about this stuff. And they should, you know, I mean, guys who have power like in sports media i mean like the dan patrick's the bob costas the guys who have been in this for 40 years i know they know Mm -hmm. or at least i know they know more than they've let on you know even if they even if they say this is a conspiracy they may not be fully you know involved in everything but they i know they've seen stuff i know they know things that they can't talk about but they should be at the age and the experience level where they can where they should be able to come out and say, Look, wait a second, this is a bunch of nonsense. I mean, like, especially like Costas with Michael Jordan and his gambling thing. I mean, he knows, he knows that Jordan got kicked out of that league for gambling. He knows it, but he doesn't come out and talk about it, but he right. should, because he's the kind of guy who could break this stuff up, who could really, you know, force it into the mainstream, get people talking about it, and expose the lack of integrity that these leagues have and how much that they've covered up over the years. But I guess they're too much company men or they've made too much money over the years or maybe they even have non-disclosure agreements. I don't even know. But there's a lot I think they know that they won't talk about. And that's sad because I shouldn't be the one doing this. It should be those guys.
2: It's never those guys though. You know, know. from my from from my you know, from where we stand, it's never it's never the talking heads with the platform. It's never no. The folks with the followers, it's and it and it doesn't seem it's not going to be those folks. I mean, easy f- folks I feel to even get in those positions are heavily vetted and heavily. They they know where they stand and they know what they have to do. A lot of those folks, it's already established for for most of those
1: folks. No, you're right, James. That's that is the way it is. Yeah, <laughs> really. And it, but it's <laughs> unfortunate. You know. Yeah, I mean, like I say, that's the part that kills me. Is it shouldn't be that way. I mean, like right. you know, back in the day i don't know if you guys knew howard cosell but i mean howard cosell he was willing to say stuff and write stuff that other sports writers didn't Mm
0: -hmm. but he
1: was like the end of it it was like as he got pushed out or aged out whichever way you want to look at it Mm -hmm. the new era was a totally different type and it was more not necessarily it was either former athletes who became broadcasters Uh or it was you know, you hate to say it, but like Josh Sniffers, who took over, right, right. and you know, just were willing, like to Adam go along with, yeah, who we were just yeah. willing to go along with the league because it meant the paycheck, right. right, and it just totally transformed the way sports were covered, and not for the good. It just made it more of an entertainment factory.
2: Of course, I mean, investigative journalism and investigative reporting was a big thing. You know, I mean, yeah. even ESPN, you know, for a time, had their hand in. Was interested in that, but they pushed that to the backside, and and so well, because, many other publications have.
1: Well, because they became invested in the league, right? You know, the NFL can't give the, or you know, the ESPN can't give the NFL one point two billion dollars a year, then six a bunch of investigative reporters on them. Of course, and of course. I mean, people don't even think about that. You know, the NFL or ESPN pays like a hundred million dollars every week for Monday Night Football, a hundred million dollars just for the broadcast rights. That's not paying the. Announcers, the camera guys, or any of the other stuff. Damn. That's just to the NFL so we can show these games. And how many, you know, $100 million does Disney, how many $100 million movies does Disney produce a year? Right. Cool. Like 10? But yet they put that's out a 17 point. NFL games for $100 that's million a piece. Yeah. I mean, that's insane.
2: But that goes to show you the the power of the league, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even with some of these salacious things coming out of washington and all the race stuff coming from flores and the coaching stuff that always hit they always seem to dodge you know <laughs> dodging those bullets like
1: the matrix in there well because it's, the, um, it's the only thing you can watch live on television anymore or you have right, to watch right,
0: right you know
1: everything else you can dvr watch on demand see it two weeks from now it doesn't matter but sports you have to consume while they're happening or you're behind the curve right and you'll find you know you can't tape you can't Record the Super Bowl and watch it a week later because somebody's going to tell you what happened. Exactly. And once you know the Rams won or whatever, then doesn't really matter if you watch the game or not. Not really. Right. So that's exactly. why they have so much power and so much pull in the television markets.
2: And that, those, TV, those new TV deals show that too. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Astronomical.
1: So um,
0: James and I, not only are we not afraid to talk about uh, taboo or far out subjects, and I was kind of looking forward to this one. the magnets everybody when you bring that up it's just like oh that's crazy talk but when you start to realize that you're not allowed to keep an nba basketball and you're not allowed to keep the footballs that the kickers kick but you can keep the other ones those, just those two facts alone make it like well something weird's going on and then when you watch some of these videos that you have on this page here on oh,
1: that other video disappeared again
0: uh, yes but now they've got you've <laughs> got a link to it though you've got a link to it that's oh, the justin tucker um <laughs> yeah tr- his mm-hmm. first ever missed extra point and that does look crazy the way the that way that some
2: of these things pull so sharply and so abruptly and i mean it's just so many weird
0: and then this Jacksonville kick—I remember seeing that one live. The, the announcer's like, "Oh no!" And then the ball just—it's yeah. already going right. It's curving right, and then it just curves back left. I don't think that physics does that. I don't know. Maybe I don't I'm. I
2: think a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of those things don't get talked about enough.
0: But the the hockey puck ones are the ones that uh, I'm not going to play. him. just go to his website, in dot net slash magnets and see them for yourself because the 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 hockey puck ones are they did it just there's gotta be a, a magnet. Like there's no other logical explanation for what's
1: going on there. Well the only reason that started that whole page really is I had a guy and this was years ago um who used to be an NBA ball boy um for the Bulls and he was the one who told me he goes you know there's magnets in the rims and in the balls and I said what and he said, no, there's, there's, it's in there and it's supposedly to trigger um, the 24 second clock. So like when the, the ball goes clock. through the net, it, right. it triggers the shot clock. And he said, but he basically said, yeah, but it does more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was, I mean, it was his, wow. you know, comments to me was basically like, yeah, they could kind of pull shots in or repel shots if they want to. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's some serious, crazy conspiracy talk stuff going on there. And then kind of the more you look at stuff like this, the more you start going, well, maybe that's not crazy conspiracy stuff. You know, maybe they have that ability. Because when you think about it, how much magnetism power would be required to pull a basketball that's bouncing around the rim in or repel it out if you wanted to. Uh It wouldn't take as much as potentially altering a, you know, field goal. Um, I don't know how much pull these magnets could potentially have, but it's something to consider given the technology that's apparently available and out there.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the way, the way, the way that I've seen some of these balls pull with field goals, extra points.
0: I just find it very interesting that the K ball, you, you called it on here, the K ball, the yeah, kicker to ball. The come. Yeah. You're not allowed mm. to, you're not allowed to take those, but you can take the regular ones. That's just very telling ones. to me. I don't, Right. i don't know why you know that just seems like a very overlooked fact there yeah <laughs> um, special ball
2: mm-hmm. makes sense
1: well the that thing too sense. is that i don't know if on my website i think i put there the thing about the gloves and the football the catching that somebody developed the,
2: the mm. stick yeah the, the sticky
1: yeah where it's the uh, magnets like compelled the ball to stick to your hand and there you show the guy making all these one-handed catches with this yep. mag- magnetized ball and glove thing and makes you wonder why look at this you know why couldn't the nfl use that because you see these guys and i Mm -hmm. granted their hands are five times bigger than mine but i mean they make some crazy catches that don't seem possible just look like it's you know no problem they just like reach up and here's the football in my hand but yeah that odell
0: beckham catch from a couple years back Yeah,
1: (laughs) three fingers yeah that
0: was crazy three fingers so, yeah, um, these are just some weird tweets that Brian put on here. Um, one of them is that uh, Steph Curry's wife tweet, but Larry Johnson has been kind of vocal, the former Chiefs running back. Ha, ha, where has he still been active? I haven't no. seen,
2: I followed him very, very heavily. I, I don't, he seemed to have disappeared, which mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I don't, you know, I knew it was a matter of time before that. I hope he's okay, of course, and and it's nothing, you know, it's just, yeah. um, but I, I haven't he's not been active has he
1: no he just like you said i followed him too because he would tweet some stuff that related to sports stuff that was crazy yeah (laughs) yeah, and then same thing he just he vanished vanished and i'd like to know what happened to it he's another guy i should probably try to find and talk to but yeah i'm lazy (laughs) yeah he
2: really you know larry johnson really goes there and he um and you know he he goes to some some corners that 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 G and I have explored in certain certain topics and stuff. But he he meshes a lot of that with what's going on in sports and and uh, he was a very good follow. And I, yeah, it's, he's been quiet for some time now. I hope everything's yeah. okay with him.
0: Did you want to talk a little bit more about? this is the censorship page and then there's the sports non-reporting which i feel like those two pages are very related um but did you want to go a little bit more into that because i did read those two pages and it does seem like not only you but pretty much anybody that that talks on these things there's only a certain amount of reach that you, you talk about there's a difference between the government limiting your speech and the corporations limiting your speech yeah. the corporations are allowed to
1: well, yeah, and that's just it. I mean, you know, and I always talk about this. I, like I write about sports and in the grand scheme, who cares? You know, they're sports. But, you know, how many other people who write about more important things and do research and find out information that's really valuable can't get their story out because nobody will let them get their story right. out? <clears throat> like I said earlier, you know, if it hap- if it happens in sports, but it's not on ESPN, does anybody know what happens? It doesn't seem like it. And so what I've encountered, you know, one of the big things, I think one of the bigger learning lessons, besides what I talked about before, when I was kind of snubbed with that book, Larceny Games, you know, I wrote an article, and again, another long story short, um, with this guy, Lance Williams, who co-wrote the book, um, Game of Shadows, about Barry Bonds and BALCO and the steroids. And I had gotten information about potentially fixed Major League Baseball game, which should have been huge news, considering it supposedly hasn't happened in 100 years. And Lance and I did all this investigative work, and we were working for this place called the Center for Investigative Reporting, which is a pretty prominent place, and we finally put this article together and everything, and then the center went out to other places to find someone to publish it for them, basically. And ESPN turned down the article twice. Now, here again, here's the story we fully researched, put out by the Center for Investigative Reporting, and the ESPN said, no, we don't want it. And we're talking about, you know, we were talking about potentially fixed baseball games. The fact that Major League Baseball security somehow got a local sheriff's department to hold the family at gunpoint and keep them held captive, essentially, until Major League Baseball investigators could arrive to interrogate the one guy who was connected to this whole story and all that. I mean, it was just incredible stuff. And ESPN was like, no, we don't want that. And then we went to like six or seven different other outlets. Nobody wanted it. It took literally a year for us to get Sports Illustrated to run that story. And so, I, I mean, and all this effort. So it took like 18 months, I think, from the time, maybe two years from the time it began until the time it was finally published. And I made $1,000 for that. Mm, wow. So how much money do you make doing investigative reporting? <laughs> you tell me, because let me tell you, two years worth of work and a lot of work, And a lot of trouble to get it published. And I made like $500 a year. So, you know, why would you do this? Or how could you do this for a living? If you're not backed by an ESPN or somebody who will pay you a daily salary to go out and do this stuff, there's no money in it. I mean, there's no, I mean, why would I, you know, I sure I've written my books, but I can only spend so much time doing this stuff on the side because you can't make a living doing it. And so therefore it won't get done. Was that the same article that
0: was posted in the New York Post? What's that? Was that the same article that did get posted in the New York Post? No. Because you said you had one article that, that did go viral.
1: That was the one that came out of my Larceny Games book in the FBI files. because I <laughs> Part of it was when the files said that members of the New York Knicks were shaving points as a favorite of their cocaine dealer.
0: Right. In the 80s. And
1: the yeah. New York Post picked up on that. And that was funny, too, because that one went viral thanks to the New York Post but it didn't go to espn espn was the only outlet that wouldn't cover it again espn wouldn't cover it which i found hilarious because i mean it was everywhere i mean cnn somehow found my phone number and called my house at the time um darren Rovell, who i don't know if you know who he is he was like emailing me like "Oh, i need to know more about mm-hmm. this and i mean i had a lot of people contact coming out of the woodwork to contact me and find me about this stuff and then again nobody else did anything with it really, oh, yeah right despite that but the funny thing was, is you can Google it. You could just Google, you know, New York Knicks cocaine d, you know, cocaine dealer game fix. You see all these different postings for it, and not one of them is ESPN because they refuse to cover it, because they're the broadcast partners of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Despite it being a forty-year-old story, they wouldn't cover it. Oh. This is a little
0: off-topic, but I meant to bring it up earlier. Um, Deshaun Watson going into this year. Now, don't get me wrong. I know the NFL harbors a lot of criminals, and there's a lot of domestic abuse players out there. But this one seemed a little fishy, didn't it? Like this guy's always been squeaky clean, and then all of a sudden he's got some contract disputes with the Texans, and now twenty women are accusing him of sexual assault. Yeah,
1: that's a story. (laughs) That's you know, that's one of those. I I just I don't know. I mean, you hate to you know think those twenty two women aren't credible. But at the same time, could really one guy go through 22 different massage artists at the same time and do the same thing to all of them. I mean, once you've gotten clue after 10 and or something, was, yeah, I don't know. If, I mean, if it was like
0: organic, if like he really was a problem, wouldn't one of them come out before now, like all exactly. at the same time? Isn't that a
1: little fishy, like a little yeah. bit? But at the same time, you know, I yeah, I mean, I, there's yeah, some weirdos out there, too. Yeah. So I could very well be that's. It. I I I don't I don't
0: want to say he definitely didn't, but it does seem really strange that the Texans were, you know, and then he goes the whole year without playing like something really went down. Some there's really some bad blood going on between there,
2: there, there is (laughs) there this 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 one seems a little different because this one seems like you know, if there were, if there is something else going on, NFL really reaching their bag for this one. If, 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 of course, if there is something else going on, you know, you Well, know, I right?
1: can't I was gonna say the other thing that's odd is I don't know if another player's ever lost a year I was in the way he that. lost a year of his career right.
0: in the right. prime. I mean, you're talking about one of the best, maybe the best quarterback in the league, arguably. Um, missing Yeah. The whole year he wasn't in his suspended. Prime.
1: no suspended no he hasn't been fined nope but with the team he's not
2: on the exemption list none of that
1: so it's just not playing situation yeah yeah it's a very odd one yeah no kidding no
0: kidding um that's all i've got brian i really appreciate you coming on james did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up while while we got him no not really this
2: this has been awesome i mean you know as someone who 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 loves football and 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 loves sports it 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 it's hard being me in the sense of <laughs> someone who really peels back the onion on a lot of things even the stuff that you know it's one of those things where it's like two things can be true and i, I still don't know how to feel about that yet you know cuz i you know we we know what we know and and I don't uh, pretend not to, uh, but at the same token, I, I football brings me enjoyment, you know. Unless you're a Washington fan, then it doesn't. But other than that, um, no, this is this has been awesome. This has been great. I mean, this is it is so thought provoking. And and at the end of the day, you know, one thing that we do here on this show, Brian, is we we try to focus on truth. You know, we try to focus on the things that a lot of folks don't want to touch on or, or talk to taboo so. topics taboo topics is what we like to call it so uh this, well, so this it is needs right we ab- talked about it
1: I mean, a lot absolutely I mean, they really do i mean and like I said you know with this stuff again i could be wrong with 95 percent of the stuff i say in terms of what was fixed or not fixed i mean i could i admit i could be totally wrong because i don't have concrete well, evidence to, of it to, but
0: to that point though i do i mean i know you say you don't have concrete evidence but in in my opinion and as i've already said i'm coming at it from an angle of I, i'm already on board with kind of you and where you're coming from i believe most of it's fixed but i'm looking at it at an angle of being interested in how much of it is real like how what what effort are these players putting in that is real what what is determining their pay grade those those sorts of questions are the ones that really intrigue me knowing that it definitely is fixed or at least in my opinion
1: well i think and what i was going to get to is it comes down to the integrity aspect of it all You know, because they always talk about, you know, we have to protect the shield like the NFL or, you know, we have to worry about the integrity of the games because, you know, people are gambling on them and that sort of thing. And that's the thing is if I'm wrong, again, with vast majority of what I think is fixed, okay, fine. But if I'm even right with a little bit, then the integrity of it all is totally in question because all the NFL had to do is fix one game intentionally for their own reasons to destroy any integrity they had. I mean, that's all it takes is one game. And I think every fan has seen one game beat in the NBA, the NFL, major league baseball, whatever that made you go, Whoa, wait a second. How the heck did that happen? And that's mm-hmm. all, that's all you needed. Cause from that point on then the integrity of everything's, you know, I think fair game to be questioned. And once you do start digging into these things and seeing all these little side stories and little things that occur within the league, then you have, to the yeah, you have to mm-hmm. question the integrity of it all because that's when it starts really pressing down on them and presses down on their money-making abilities. But you have to ask those questions. You have to be willing to dig into it. And most people aren't. Right.
0: right, Yep. For sure. But so I guess my, my final question slash uh, thought to get, get out of you is what degree, I mean, I know you said that you don't have concrete evidence, but if if you're speculating, if you're just, you know, uh, brainstorming, so to speak, what, what do you, believe the degree to which
1: it is legitimate oh, that's a good question. I, I basically i think every sport's been compromised i believe that it's too bad. but why are mean, the players sport, boxing why? nascar tennis soccer you pick your sport there's been cheating in it for sure there's been corruption in it for sure absolutely and especially in professional sports in the united states there's definitely yeah. been games fixed or compromised or manipulated whichever word you want to use for the league's own purposes, I, 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 myself am certain of that. Again, I, to the degree, what level? I agree. Yeah, it's exactly. hard to say, but all it has to do is be that much, and again, it questions the integrity of it up. So, how to, about to this, how about
0: this question? What percentage of professional athletes do you think believe that the league they play in is 100% legit? Do you think all of them know it's compromised, or is there a certain percentage that truly believe that they're playing a legit game?
1: I think only the most naive would think it's Mm -hmm. totally legit. I mean, again, they may not think it's necessarily fixed, but I think from their vantage point, they've seen enough in terms of even just little things like drug usage, the doctor saying you're okay to play when you're really not okay to play. I think there's a lot of things that the players have seen that make them think, make them know that this is a business Mm -hmm. and that they are a cog in this machine. And so, you know, they have to do, whatever they have to do to make the most money they can out of that short career and again some i'm sure are willing to compromise themselves to do that to keep making Mm -hmm. money because again i mean you know and i don't blame them for it either i mean if if i could do a job and i could do it for and i'm only gonna be able to do it for three years like an nfl running back usually has a career that's i think three years long and but i could make three million dollars in that three years yeah i might be willing to do whatever it takes to make sure i make that three million dollars because I know afterwards now that I've focused my whole life on football afterwards, I may, may never make a dime from football again. And I got to go get a real job. Well, yeah, I might be willing to compromise myself for that short period of time to make sure it happens. Right. Depressing, but true. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, to me,
0: when I, when I, when I, I was like, okay, it's all fixed, but then it's like, okay, if these players are realizing it's all fixed, what, what motivates them other than the money, I get the money. But it seems like if it was all fixed, money wouldn't be enough to motivate a lot of these guys to go
1: out there and do what they do. But I think, you know, most athletes, you know, the really good athletes that make it to professional level have been corrupted since childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, I really do. I mean, I think, you know, if you show athletic talent in school at an early age, even middle school, you're treated differently. Right. And in high school, you're treated even more differently and then you have all these, you know, people from colleges coming in and are throwing money at you, throwing this at you, get, to the, get you to come to their college and play in their program. You're compromised, your integrity right there by them too. So then you get into the college program and then it's a whole different life. You live a totally different life as a college athlete than you do as a regular collegiate, you know, student and you're compromised and you're corrupted within there. And then here comes the NFL or the NBA or one of these other leagues. I mean, all you've known is corruption in a very real sense since you were 12 years old. So, you know, does it really then shock you when you're in the NFL and somebody may tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you need to fix this game? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know, because you you,
0: you just perform your best until you get told not to.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you've been, again, compromised the whole way and you realize this is how the system works. And again, in many ways, it's working to your benefit, but you're also sacrificing part of yourself along the way and you may not realize it until it's too late. That's good stuff. Thank you again, Brian. This has been awesome. It's no problem. Really Thanks for having awesome. me on, guys. Remember
0: best. to check out his website, thefixesin.net. A lot of great resources, a lot of great information on there. And I'll catch you guys next time.
1: Thanks, yes, Brian. Sir. Peace. Thank you.